Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What up? And... (laughs) Judy! <laughs> what up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my very much older brother, Wesley! <laughs> and we are talking about The Farewell, an Asian family movie. That's the worst summation of Chinese. this movie. Chinese. But it's kind of like, we're fam- we're Asian family. Sort of, yeah, most of us. And that qualifies us to talk about The Farewell. No. It's an entirely <laughs> different country. You should watch Burt Kreischer's thing about how Asians don't understand each other and Americans don't understand that Japanese don't understand what Koreans are saying. It's pretty well, funny. I mean, that's illustrated perfectly with the, um, the Japanese wife character in this. Yeah. So we're talking about the Chinese movie known in China as Don't Tell Her is the translation for the title in China. Oh, really? Uh-huh. It's not called The Farewell? Nope. I don't know if it's just China, but obviously because it has Chinese characters, they wanted to release it in China. Half the movie is subtitled, right? Um, but that led to complications because, uh, well, you see, if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen the movie. And we know that Nai Nai is alive and well, hopefully well. Um, and she didn't know what was happening and eventually found out that, oh, this is a movie about our family and about coming home for a wedding and her the the lady who plays little Nainai her sister plays herself in the movie and still wouldn't tell Nainai what the movie was about so even after she outlived her initial diagnosis of being six months to live or whatever it was because of cancer um, she still didn't know until very recently until Seeing the film? Nainai just learned, uh, Lula Wang uh, said at a Golden Globe symposium, that her grandmother had just found out and made the connection of the fact that the movie is titled Don't Tell Her. And she was like, it's me. I'm the one who you don't tell. I know what's happening now. And just found out that this movie is about her family not telling her that she had cancer. (laughs) Well, that's one way to reveal it to her. Yeah. So... This movie is interesting because it's, you know, it's fairly slow in, in that it's a, it's a family drama, if you can use that. And the drama comes from one underlying premise that pervades the whole movie, right? The, this undercurrent is essential to the success of this movie. And that is the fact that Nai Nai's family and Lulu Wang's family understands her diagnosis is a terminal one. And they decide not to tell her. And... Not just in China, where this is widely accepted, but for the American Billy character 
to come and try to understand and wrap her head around the concept that this could be for her, this should be for her benefit and maybe even for her health that goes against everything her American sensibilities tell her. You know, um, I had a really hard time, as I'm sure you did, with the concept of not telling a loved one how much time they have left when that is a quantifiable thing. Right. Um, it blows my mind. And those cultural differences have to be acknowledged and respected, especially when you're in two worlds. Uh, I guess you could say like we are, you know, we're a, a multi-ethnic family, but our parents aren't super heavy into the tradition of either culture. They don't live or die by Japanese customs or Mexican customs or a little drop of French customs, whatever they may be. We're pretty much all Americanized. Right. Right. But to have to go to China with an entire family who expects you to act a certain way when your American upbringing is completely contrary to that notion. Not only that, but wrapped up with your um, conscience. Mm. When the conscience that you've been raised with tells you to do the opposite. The American consciousness. Yeah. Chinese American consciousness is just a cultural difference right. in what, what is best. It's really hard for me to, to, to watch. For you? I, uh, it was hard for me to watch in the sense that it was hard for Billy to stay in line. I definitely related to her character. And maybe I was projecting on her, but I definitely feel like I, I contrary to perhaps a Japanese sensibility, speak fairly directly and laugh with your mouth open <laughs> yeah I mean I feel very Americanized and so I felt a kinship with Billy in that sense so it was hard for me in the sense that it was hard for her yep uh, definitely an American character right we see that in her interaction with the lady on the street that was great well, yeah it was great and, and it was a, a real um, character defining moment for for this uh, Asian American actress that we were all paying attention to, Nora Lum. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Aquafina. Aquafina, uh, kind of an awkward name, but she says that being awkward is kind of one of her personality traits that she's most known for, so maybe it's a fitting name. Feels kind of silly in my mouth to say it, but fine. Aquafina, um, we really get a sense of who she is, and then she is forced, as you say, sort of conform to the expectations of her Chinese family when she ends up in China. And so there's a balance of performance there. And I think without those moments, we wouldn't have been able to see what her character, who her character is in the American context, mm -hmm. right? But they definitely hit this message too over the head. Like we get it over and over again. She's making the case for why they should let Nai Nai into the in on the information. And she gets continuously shot down and then kind of derided for her lack of being able to hold back emotion or showing emotion on her face. What did she say? Like, you have to, we don't want Nai Nai to see your ugly, sad face or something horrible like that. And we get hit over the head with this message again and again. And I think it was really important when she has the conversation with her dad and her uncle when they're smoking, like in that dark room. Uh -huh. And they, you know, they just, they not only explain it for her, but they explain it for us. And it kind of puts that whole, her whole campaign to rest, which I was glad for. Yes, and you have the relationship with the dad and the daughter where she can say forward things to her dad because her dad is pretty American as well. well when he speaks English, she has no discernible accent, a Chinese accent, in the way that her mother does. Um, and, but he is with his brother who very, uh, and, and they both clearly understand what is expected and required of them in this situation. It's difficult because the brother didn't look unlike Uncle George. 
right? And, and you and I are getting to an age where we're losing people that are close to us, and it's a tough thing. Um, in the case of our uncle, he went pretty suddenly yeah. and hopefully uh, really painlessly, and that was that's a it's a great thing because I don't know how I would have held up in this situation. Mm. I get that there's, there's a respect and an expectation from older family members to adhere to traditions and standards, but there's also my conscience and what my American conscience tells me to do. I don't think I could have done it. So to see that being done by Aquafina's character, balance the, the sort of Chinese heritage and, and the American sensibilities in a way that I don't think anyone really expected from this actress slash rapper from the Bronx. Right. But they did, in hindsight, they did the right thing. In the sense that Nine I Lived is living currently and didn't have to go through the emotional anguish of this news and then kind of materially change her life without, without there really being a reason to do it. I mean, maybe this is still up for a debate, but it's, it seems like in hindsight they did the right thing. Ultimately, I don't know if it's the right thing. And I think I, from an American standpoint, think it was the wrong thing to do in the immediate. I cannot think that that is the case. The just because she lived doesn't mean she didn't have a right to know. Um, what you're suggest, what it seems like, what you're saying suggests that the fact that she didn't know prolonged her life because she wasn't resigned to death. Yes. And that's difficult for me as a concept because I think that a determined, fighting mindset, if anything, might have helped, but not knowing wouldn't have contributed to her death in my mind. Um, we're going to get into a topic that it's um, wary of, but fine, you accept the cultural differences between America and China and Chinese strongly believed in this more group mentality, but still, this is an illusion, right? It's something that they're telling themselves and is reinforced by group belief because every one of them, including little Nai Nai, her sister, even Nai Nai herself lied to her husband in his illness. Right. She knows the facade. Right. And acted in this movie like she had no clue why everyone was there. Weren't you waiting for her to just... Yes. And I thought that was what the twist was going to be. So the fact that... And, and, but maybe this is more than an awareness. Maybe this is a state of mind. Right? Where it's expected that you're going to be lied to and that you just go about your merry way as an older person. Maybe she wasn't expecting it to happen to her. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. But the fact is, you're talking about mind over matter not contributing to her health. Uh, where if she was aware she was going to die, maybe she would have prepared herself to die and would have actually died. The problem is in Chinese culture, these are the grandfathers of pseudoscience. And all the cupping stuff where she's got gigantic bruises and burst blood vessels in her shoulders because they're doing the holistic stuff, uh, all the acupuncture, it's all nonsense. Really sorry to all the women and, and especially Chinese women in the audience. They love that stuff. So just because they're Chinese in this tradition is really hard for me. <laughs> I don't accept it. Have you ever tried acupuncture or cupping? No, and I guarantee it would have the same results. Cupping hurts. Yeah, so do massages, but they feel great too, and you've never had one of those. But no, cupping is not meant to make you feel great. It's meant to extract the toxins through suction or something. This is coming from a band who doesn't even like massages. I don't like mas I don't want to be touched. I can touch. Nah. There is no basis, scientific if, basis, that acupuncture is effective. What about the very hard science about, um, you know, like talking nice to little grains of rice? 
and then and when you talk to nice to some, they flourish, and then when you talk mean to the others, they die? Yes. You fool, written on a, on a, on a jar of rice, will cause it to turn rancid. Yeah. No, it's... You're talking about ancient medicine that people still observe today and pay a lot of money for. Yeah, and where are all those ancient practitioners now? All of them dead. But I wasn't, o I wasn't only saying that Nine lived because she didn't dwell on a narrative of death. We, she also was spared like unnecessary emotional anguish. She was able to live without this interruption, which was false. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about you're talking about um, false medicine. I mean, what about a a, a, a terminal diagnosis? That you're gonna die in three months, and she's six. She's living six years later. I mean, how can you say that our, that Western medicine is so much better? Eight years later, circumstantial. You know what's good though? What? I think that, and tell me if you, this is, a, this is a, a theory I have, I think that when we talk about the subject matter of a movie and not like the technical filmmaking aspect of it, that it, that it demonstrates how the, the storytelling was effective and we, so that we weren't caught up in all of the other stuff. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of stuff we could talk about, but the fact that we're debating this, is that a good sign? Yes, it's a good sign and I'm thankful for the fact that we don't have to belabor the stuff that sucked about this movie because there was little of it. This movie doesn't pull any punches or, or doesn't have any tricks. It just kind of lays it all out for us. Yeah. It gives us both sides of, cult, of a cultural argument, I guess you can call it that, and allows us to make our own opinions. And definitely, I think unanimously, almost unanimously, the American audiences will think that's just not the way to go. They're doing it wrong. But we still like and admire these characters and want to find out what's going to happen. They're certainly doing it for a good motivation. Yes, and so none of them were right. Everyone had the best of intentions. And so we are allowed to use this movie as a basis for discussion, which is the best kind of movie. I think everyone was well represented in this movie. Nobody, I don't think any of the actors hit a false note for me. I think the direction was subtle and yet effective. I think the Aquafina really stood out just because I didn't have any expectations of her because she has a dumb rap name. But still, <laughs> did a really good, good job. And her, like, sad face was just it was just perfect right but when she had monologues and talking about how frustrated she was when the same thing happened to her grandfather and she didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him because nobody told her that she was sick and then he ultimately died yeah all that was really effective how basically like she went back and he was gone and no one no one ever helped her in that transition yeah she sat still and she was expressive and emotive and and, and very emotional and it really really worked it's a testament to good acting where she doesn't have to where it's a monologue that doesn't feel mm -hmm. righteous yeah you know they didn't press it and also the camera wasn't all up in her face so we had this kind of um fly on the wall naturalistic kind of approach to the scene yeah, it's not sensational this movie for a topic that ironically inspires maybe more debate than than any any movie in recent memory yeah i mean the cultural tension is very rich i think that the cultural insight too into 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 chinese culture is something that they definitely lean into like right there's so many awkward or not awkward moments but just like moments where you're like in awe of bizarre chinese cultural traditions like the whalers at the um, when they go visit the, the funeral, the, yes, right. The excessive or, prayers uh, at the, at the gravesite, karaoke at the wedding, yeah, and the sort of garish backdrop of Chinese life and neon, and uh, through the haze of pollution and stuff, and having these sort of intimate family moments with the neon flashing red outside the hotel windows and stuff. Yeah, definitely an experience, 
and uh, and I wonder if they was if that was intent like so American audiences will find that very novel and very and probably pretty funny because they don't have total context for it Chinese Americans will probably laugh because they totally get what's going on I wonder what a Chinese audience would think about those things like are they just completely normal if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or Zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And they don't even notice that they're being kind of made fun of? So, well, does this movie have the themes that would be interesting and thought-provoking to a Chinese audience in the same way that Americans are shocked by the decision not to tell Nai Nai? What does this movie hold for audiences, uh, Chinese audiences? And that is what a movie executive told uh, Lulu Wang early on. They said, you know, we should have like a totally clueless an American character in this movie. And Lulu Wang said, well, I mean, Billy is an American character. And they said, no, like a real American. Like we want a dumb white American boyfriend to come with her oh, and be like totally clueless, not understand what's going on. And then all the Chinese audiences can laugh about how he doesn't know how to use chopsticks. That'll be hilarious. That's like the crazy rich Asian version. Yeah. So she's also an Aquafina movie where she plays a more of an Aquafina as opposed to Nora Lum type role. Yeah. Right. Where I think she's in shiny clothes the entire time. But Lulu Wang thankfully said, Said, that is not my movie. That's not the story I want to tell. So to everyone's credit, she was able to make a movie that was simple and yet resonates theme-wise with uh, both the Chinese and the Americans for different reasons. Sure. And do we know how it? Do you know how it performed in China? Don't know. I know that it was a very modest budget, and I think it was successful. Worldwide grosses aren't indicative of much because this isn't the runaway blockbuster um, that you know didn't make hundreds of millions of dollars, but it was made for almost no money. I do know that Lulu Wang proudly said that this, um, on a per theater average, beat out Avengers Endgame. Really? Yeah. So that's that's I, a meaningful metric. Yeah. So you have you definitely have people who are interested in this story, and for a, a small independent movie, I think it definitely found an audience and took hold, partially because of the conversation that it inspires. I mean, I didn't. I know that there was some buzz about this earlier. I don't remember when it came out. I saw it late, and I saw it perhaps at the perfect time for myself. There was something important in my life that I was excited about, and I found out that day, the day that I watched this movie, that it didn't come through. And I was totally feeling Billy's anguish. Oh, like the fellowship thing? Exactly. And I like laid in bed and like watched this and was like all sad. And then when she told Nai Nai, I, it was like emotional catharsis. But that's just like, that's very, very specific context. But I think that maybe it's indicative of just how relatable her character is, especially in an immigrant experience. Yeah, there's a catharsis, I think, that, that really helps a lot of people who are facing uh, getting to an age where their grandparents aren't going to be around forever. Um, it was interesting in that way for me because I never had a grandfather to speak of. Neither of us did, right? Um, for different reasons, our grandfathers weren't, were never really a part of our lives, and grandmothers much more so. But both of our grandmothers, they didn't live right around the corner, and it wasn't quite China. But definitely, we didn't see them as much as we should, and we, I think we looked for that connection when we did. Um, 
as a kid, I had problems with grandmas because they didn't want me to play video games all the time or whatever dumb crap I was doing that made them maybe slightly disappointed in me. But her ability to speak to her grandmother and really forge a connection where the grandmother was insanely happy to see her and wanted the best for her and wanted her to do this or do that, really wanted her to, you know, have the best that life can offer. And for the Billy character to have to suppress the the knowledge and the outward reaction that all the stuff she was talking about in her life would take place after she'd die, after the 99 character dies, mm. right? There was a connection there that I think I at least always sort of yearned for that was hard to achieve with our, I guess at least Japanese relatives. All of them live pretty far away, don't have as much contact as I would like. You wanted grandma to be like, look at that cute little butt. Yeah, that's weird. But there was definitely a family connection, even across continents and oceans, that I felt and that resonated with me that I kind of longed for. Um, yeah, and, and so in that way, this movie was very effective. Uh, the wedding scene, as strange as it was, and as much as it, I felt really bad for those kids who had to endure this sort of fake and yet very real to them wedding. Yeah, cheers to the Japanese wife. Fiance, yeah. I mean, what a sacrifice for her to basically bear the brunt of this family ruse. Yeah, and I, and I don't know how how much that translation, or I don't know how much that tradition carries over into Japanese culture, but still, it was an awkward situation all around, and I think uh, I think it was handled really well by everyone. The thing that I took away from this movie most is the cultural differences, obviously and the disconnection and yet the inherent connection in the family yeah. of American and Chinese people, but culturally how they would be so difficult and how the Billy character is trapped between these two worlds is fascinating. But that led me to think on a larger scale of how this movie would be received in America versus China. I think that outside of the Asian American community, I don't know that this movie had a lot of legs, but it seemed to resonate with a lot of people and rightly so. But the character of little Nainai, Nainai's sister, who receives the diagnosis and chooses not to pass it on, she was played by herself in the movie. And so she had to tell her sister, her real, the real Nainai, that she was making a movie, but not what it was about. And eventually had to relent that it was about the family and, and a wedding, but this character had to play the dual role of being herself in a movie where she doesn't tell her sister that she has cancer, while balancing not telling her sister that she has cancer in the face of making a movie about her sister having cancer and not being told about it. Is she the only family member that's in the movie? I think so. She did great. Yeah, she did great. And uh, there was another movie this year that was populated a lot by real people. It was Uncut Gems, right, where people were actually jewelry brokers right. and things. that and were Kevin Garnett, playing Kevin that, Garnett. Exactly, that weren't actors. And I think for this kind of movie, where they're living their real lives and not a heavy, heavily fictionalized world, they can be themselves. And that comes across as naturalistic in a way that method, method acting doesn't, doesn't need to touch. Right. Yeah. So a, a small movie, profound in themes and, and the conversation that it provokes, and lovely. Um, yeah. And and it, it, yeah, the best kind of small movie where the theme is enough to sustain um, our admiration and attention throughout. And it was so confident in its, quote, smallness and its independent nature that it goes out on a, ha! I mean, 
there's no like denouement, neat tying up of storylines or whatever. She goes back to New York. She was, you know, profoundly changed by this experience, or maybe just touched by that very special moment that um, the diagnosis provoked. You know, getting everyone together for the first time in 25 years. But she's literally like walking down the street, going ha ha, and. That's kind of it. There's no like moral to the story. It just kind of let itself be, and confident that all of the um, stuff that it raised up, it's you know that work was done. Yep. And then when we're ready to resign ourselves to our fate, Billy's fate, and Nanai's fate, then we get to know that Nanai survives to this day. Right. In the movie, really satisfying. Yeah. But I, we were able to go through the emotional roller coaster of that. Sure. Good. It's a good place to end. However. Um, I was thinking about the is it Tai Chi that she's doing. Yeah. So I was thinking about the bird in the apartment, right? And the bird oh, yeah. comes. And isn't there a legend where the bird is the harbinger of death? I don't know. Right? So the bird keeps invading Billy's space even before she knows that her nanai is dying. How did you like, get in here? Like the bird is telling her that someone's going to die. And then in the end, when she returns to New York, she invokes her, her nanai's Tai Chi and finally finds her voice in a way that, she, that freaks other people out around her. Ha! <laughs> and then all the birds fly out of the trees, and she dispels them. And I don't know. That's how. deep, dude. Yeah, it's deep. I don't know if it'll fit, but I remember making that. Like, we can, in discussion with Kelly, that came up after the fact, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> Heavy. Let me guess. Totally? Totally. This movie is, it operates on its own level. And all we're doing is measuring the, the, how effective a movie is in, in achieving what it sets out to achieve. You should totally see The Farewell, regardless of your uh, ethnic or cultural background. A total from Wes, a good from Iris. That's our discussion on The Farewell. Thank you, Wes, for suggesting that we watch and review this one because it wasn't really on my radar as much as Aquafina perhaps was during award season. Um, it, was, it was good. It moved me. We got deep. This is a deep one. Do you have anything deep to share with us? How is that for a segue? 818-835-0473. Leave us a voicemail on our hotline, so to speak. Uh, we'd love to share it on our podcast or send us an email at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. And we want to thank you for listening. Electric acid. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for The, the Candle, Candle Power, Power Hour. Hour. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Trick out.